welcome to the Coffee with Cody podcast, a conversation series around race. Double up, three or four times, I ain't telling no lies, I just run it up. Never let a hard time have a Double up, I ain't telling no lies, I just, yeah. In today's episode, we have DJ Dwayne Haskins. DJ is a friend of mine going back to high school when he went to the same high school as my sister, actually. And we've known each other since then. Uh, DJ has actually been a great friend of mine when it comes to personal development and helping each other uh, focus and level up. Uh, DJ grew up in Buffalo, New York. And he'll talk about that experience and how that it's impacted him. I think DJ has a really thoughtful and precise way of articulating himself, which I really appreciate. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. So growing up, just to get a sense of who you are, how would you describe the community that you grew up and were a part of? So it was really, um, and this actually, if you were to ask me this question, not knowing um, exactly what we were going to be talking about on this podcast, my answer would actually be the same. Um, it was actually a very diverse community. Um, so, you know, I, as you know, Cody, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and Buffalo, um, interestingly enough, I just met somebody who had spent some time in Buffalo and we talked about one of the first things that came up is how much diversity there is there. Um, there's a lot of, um, a lot of immigrants there, but, um, so a lot of people from different communities and different countries, Italians, Polish, um, Greeks, and, um, there's blacks and whites, obviously Americans, um, Asians, Arabs, like the whole rainbow. Um, so I got exposed to a lot of that, um, growing up and that was really awesome. Um, fortunately, unfortunately, unfortunately, it was in a uh, lower income class, you know, in a poor community, but that actually more so than a lot of upper class, you know, neighborhoods allowed us to be a lot closer, um, which tends to be the case across, you know, social classes. And so that was awesome. A lot of my friends growing up um, came from a diverse background. And so I got a lot of exposure to different ethnicities and cultures and um, races and everything, which was an awesome experience. So it's interesting because I'm kind of hearing this theme and you hinted at just now is that in these lower income communities that there's really that sense of community, um, that, that closest, that proximity. Um, was there, given that there was an, a lot of different cultures and races kind of in the area, were there, like, how how much were they intermingled and how much did you experience them, like, going over to, f like, food for dinner or, like, having different foods? Or was it kind of like you knew it existed, but it was, it was still kind of separate? Yeah, so... A little bit of both, actually. And I mean, I can only speak, you know, to my experience. Uh, my mom was very open to allowing me to go over to other people's houses. You know, she obviously had to know them, um, but it was nothing for me to just walk out the front door, walk down the block and go to the next person's house. Um, there was still a little bit of congregation within like those sort certain cultural groups and races and whatnot, you know, and that's kind of to be expected. Um, you know, as far as families and whatnot, being a little bit closer to each other, but, 
Um, there was still like intermingling and whatnot. Some of my earliest memories actually involved like going over to some, you know, friends' houses who were Indian or Arab, um, some Hispanics, Puerto Ricans and whatnot. And that's where I got exposed to a lot of things as far as food, um, music, um, different scents and aromas, you know, that I could probably identify now, but are tied directly to that experience of, you know, intermingling and kind of being close with some of those different cultures. Can't say that was the case for everybody, but definitely was the case for me. That's awesome. And do you think that's had an impact on you as you've like grown up and impacted your ability to be successful, kind of having that, um, that variety of viewpoints of people? Oh yeah, 100% dude. I actually, um, last year I read, so I read this book and you know, I talk about this, right. But like I read this book by Malcolm Gladwell called David and Goliath. Right. And the whole book essentially just make it super basic, um, talks about different things that are seen as advantages are sometimes actually disadvantages. And sometimes the things that are seen as disadvantages can actually be major advantages. And that was one of the things for me. So like, you know, prior to reading that book, I would say I had maybe more of a negative outlook on my upbringing and that, you know, I grew up in a lower socioeconomic um, area and, you know, didn't have a lot of the resources that, you know, some other people had. And I kind of viewed that as a disadvantage. But after reading that book, it kind of made me take a step back and go like, wow, you know, I was really fortunate because growing up, I had relationships with people from all walks of life and all races and, you know, ethnicities, not all obviously, but a decent amount more than most people. Um, and for that, it's, it's made me much more able to relate, um, now, like in my capacity in my profession as a physical therapist, where I'm treating people from all different, you know, backgrounds, it's made it so I'm much more able to relate, you know, and, um, be a little bit more understanding and whatnot. So it's been something that, uh, you know, in my few years of adulthood here that I've been like much more appreciative of definitely, bro. Nice. And so shifting gears a little bit to kind of the, the more topical component of the podcast is how would you describe, um, racism and maybe how would that differ from discrimination in your definition? Hmm. This is a tough question, actually. Um, so, you know, racism obviously has to do kind of more with a physical attribute of like skin color, you know, and, um, it has, uh, when we think about racism, we automatically, you know, kind of go to a place of one race being superior to the next, um, kind of maybe a little bit, you know, divided based on the certain attributes that that group has or does not, you know, possess. Um, and that the next race, whatever it might be, is seen as being superior based on things that they possess or do not possess. Um, whereas racism falls into um, a category within discrimination, like you can be discriminated against based on your race. Um, so racism, you know, is much, a much more smaller, but almost more potent, I feel like, um, area within discrimination. Um, 
you know, whereas discrimination can involve, you know, different age, social class, um, languages spoken or not spoken, um, religion, different things like that. Um, and I think a lot of people have experienced probably some form of prejudice or carry, you know, some form of prejudice in one way or another, um, good or bad. Um, but in this term, we usually think of the word prejudice in a negative, you know, light. Um, but I wouldn't say that all of us are, you know, have a, have some type of, um, you know, racist tendencies or, have you know inflicted racism upon another being but i would say that majority of us have at some point you know probably been prejudiced towards one group or another yeah so i know for me definitely it's being a blonde-haired blue-eyed caucasian male from the midwest even though i had kind of a similar upbringing where you know i was exposed to a lot of different cultures and people of different backgrounds than me um I definitely have a lot of those hardwired tendencies or prejudices. Um, I, I would even call them racial by like racist tendencies um, in me that I have to constantly evaluate and look for. Um, and part of the challenge and one of the reasons I've wanted to do this is that it's not, I think we need to challenge our definition of racism or how we look at racism and to make it, not always mean that the person is a bad thing and that they should be crucified for having participated in being racist. Um, cause like for me, I've done it and I, I hope the people I've talked to and including you would say like, I don't think I'm a bad person. I don't think, but I've had these things where it's like, okay, I, I didn't realize that I was doing this and I need to get over it. Um, but like we look so much as to racism as like this, Oh, it's the KKK or these people burning crosses or the people lynching black people and like, like these really clear instances of evil. And while and while those things are definitely bad, like there's a much more subtle version of racism that I think exists in the country, which is probably more of the problem to more people. And I think that's what really needs to be addressed. Like it's the death by a million paper cuts. I've said that before. I think on a show, but it's like this. Like when you're walking down the street in a hoodie, like if you're walking, you are walking down the street in a hoodie, like, and someone walks across the other street just to be safe. Like I would find myself doing that, but I'm sure you noticed that. Like, I'm just walking down the street. <laughs> like, why are you like, why are you treating me different? Stuff like that. Um, and that's what I'm trying. That's part of the reason I'm, I'm asking this question, this question on the show. And when one of the things I'm trying to address is like, Racism is about a physical attribute, but it manifests in so many different types of things. And it kind of relates to discrimination more. And I think people can relate to it more because discrimination is like, okay, someone is a wheelchair or has a disability and you treat them in a different way. And it's not always good, but there's ways that you can, that you can, once you're aware of it, you can account for it and, and, and adapt your systems to make it good. And it's not that you are being like, uh, like malice, like you weren't acting in malice towards a person who was handicapped, but you just didn't just like you put a staircase when there should have been a ramp and that, that doesn't make you a bad person. And so I'm just part of the conversation I want to have is around that and give people permission to say, okay, 
I'm not going to be crucified by saying, okay, maybe I do have some racial biases that I need to uh, look at and address and have conversations with people about. Hmm. And I actually like, you know, it's, it's good because you and I both have, you know, had multiple conversations on this topic of like personal development and kind of aiming to become like the best version of yourself. Right. And I think this is another one of those categories. Um, you know, so you saying that you have things that you obviously need to work on and that you've identified as maybe, um, you know, a weak point or a fault in this area of, you know, discrimination or prejudice or whatever the way, whatever it might be. Um, I too carry those and everybody does, you know, just kind of what I was saying on that topic of discrimination. Um, and it's interesting what you said about, you know, this subtle racism and discrimination kind of almost being more harmful. Um, cause it actually made me think about, um, Trevor Noah. So Trevor Noah, I don't, don't quote me on this. You gotta go find it for yourself. But like he had, um, I don't know if it was on, um, one of his shows on the daily show or one of the episodes of the daily show, or if it was in his book, um, I read or not, but he said somewhere that, you know, I would almost rather have the racism of apartheid South Africa than to have the racism of America. You know, like I'd rather you be blatantly racist and say, yeah, I'm racist. I hate you because of the color of your skin rather than what like most people you know nowadays are experiencing where we're like i'm not really sure if you're racist or not like we're friends but you know and you kind of being like uh no i'm not racist but like you know definitely having you know racial tendencies and i agree that in our culture and our generation especially and with you know the rise of social media you know it's it's uh, being racist you know or you know racism itself has kind of taken on this different character where it is like oh my gosh you're a racist versus in these personal relationships if someone has you know race racist tendencies or is racist like it's it's not quite that way like with 90 percent of minorities that you meet and you may have a relationship with if they experience something from you that is considered to be racist they're gonna call you on it but they're probably not gonna like ban you from their life if anything they're gonna take it to be like a teaching moment you know or help you better understand it you know at least in in a lot more um in in my circles i'll say that that would tend to be the case um but across the board i think that when you have a relationship with somebody you know and a, a quality one i don't think that it would be that kind of banish you and like burn you at the cross kind of thing for being a racist you know it's kind of like all right somewhere along the way you missed a part of you know the education regarding this and you're a little ignorant in this area so let's figure this out together, you know, kind of thing. Um, I feel comfortable saying that about a lot of my friends and family that that would be the case. Um, and the goal obviously is for that to be the case on a larger scale, um, with all of society and humanity, but we got a long ways to go probably to get there. For sure. This is, this is a journey, but I think one of the things, uh, 
that I'm encouraged by in all of this, um, is that I think I, I see, and even when I'm talking to like my family and other people who historically have been really resistant to any of these conversations, all of a sudden there's like light bulb moments that are happening. And I'm like, I've had conversations like with people really close to me and I'm like, hold on, you, you get it now. Like since when, um, and I've seen progress happening just in mindsets alone of individuals, um, which is really encouraging because I think that's step one in the journey. Um, and even though the media is putting out a lot, uh, around all the protests and the resistance of like really polarizing the whole experience. And I'm, I'm not anti-media. That's not the point of that. But like, if you just looked at the portrait of what's happening, that's being portrayed kind of globally, I think you would get a sense of like, ah, oh, like this is like progress is really not happening that much. But I think like slowly and in the hearts and minds of people who haven't been receptive, I think things are changing, which I think is good, but it'll take, it'll take, it'll take years, if not decades to unravel. Uh, I think the social and systemic things that we've kind of built into our society. Well, and didn't really mean to necessarily be racist with them, but that's how it is. And I think that will just take time. Like it'll take time. It's going to take time to train more PhDs. It's going to take time to, uh, build generational wealth. It's going to take time to do a lot of these things. Um, but I think that's one there should be, and maybe this is me preaching at this point, but I think from my perspective of being able to have insight into the other side of racist potentially minds or more clearly racist people minds i think don't give up the fight because there's been progress and i think it's it it'll get there um so it's actually really appreciate you sharing that because um and i'll be like 100 percent honest here um is growing up actually interestingly enough the only group of people that i did not have positive interactions with were white people right so in everything that i said at the beginning of this episode right is like i had positive interactions with people of all these different cultures the only people that that wasn't the case with were white people and the the relationships and encounters that i had had with white people in my childhood were always in a authority position you know so they were a teacher they were a store manager you know they were um, a police officer it was you know someone usually it was like in a in the school setting you know it was a teacher or a principal um and beyond that, you know, I had an experience within my family where my mother, who is white, um, and my father is black, um, but my mother, her family did not accept my sister, who is also mixed, black and white, um, and they just did not accept her. But when I came along, I was of lighter complexion. I could pass a little bit more as being a white boy. And so it was just naturally more acceptable. Um, those experiences created a negative image and a negative idea of what a white person was like in my mind. And on 
a similar note, I think that's a lot of what happens for people when it comes to minority groups, whatever it may, whatever that group may be. Um, they have short, not in-depth relationships with people within those minority groups. And that's how they judge all individuals. And I think that's where the issue lies, right? Because when I got to high school and all of a sudden there are a lot more, you know, white students and there's a lot more, um, you know, people that I can kind of get to know then that mindset started to switch. But I can't say that, um, you know, that throughout college and whatnot, that that, had ex- that experience had completely changed for me to where I was like, okay, all white people are cool. They're all fun to be around, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, it was very, it's still very much, you know, an experience that's kind of having to transform because of those early experiences within my childhood, which we know play a pivotal part in who we become anyways. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it, we didn't get here overnight to develop these prejudices and, um, biases and, you know, whatnot. And I don't think it's going to be eradicated overnight either. I think it's a, a long process of building relationships with people in these communities that maybe you have a prejudice towards, or maybe you have discriminated against. Um, cause I can guarantee to you, you'll find amazing, beautiful, intelligent, um, individuals in every single cultural group and be amazed and possibly become best friends with them and just love those people incredibly. And just know that, Individuals like that are probably the majority within that group and not the exception. I think one thing I would encourage people to go do and something I've tried to do for myself, not always perfectly, but is like whenever you see like a characteristic about someone that's like even like that that makes you feel some type of way, whether it's fear or like just kind of that mm, type of thing, like. If the, if the context is right, like go have a conversation with them, like face that, like face that, that extreme fear of that physical appearance thing from preventing you to have a conversation, just like go up and have a conversation because like, it's been interesting uh, how many people like that, that I've been like, I, uh, I don't know if I'm going to like have anything relatable to talk to those people. They're kind of weird. And that might just be like they dressed like really hippie ish or they dressed like really, you know, whatever it is. But I found that like some of the most interesting in like intelligent people or just good people are those people who have like these physical characteristics that like initially turn you off. And so one of the things I try to do, um, and there's even like, if you don't, if a barrier of doing a person is there, there's plenty of like shows on Netflix or whatever that are like exploring interesting people. I don't know. I don't have specific recommendations, but it's like one thing I would challenge people to do is like go over and like go out of your way to connect with those, like the worst case scenario. Man, maybe, 
don't go out and get yourself killed or something crazy from listening to that. But like <laughs> within reason, like go out and, and overcome that fear of like that physical difference being the barrier to having a conversation with people. Cause that's really fundamentally what race is about. Because like you were hinting at like, Oh, I'm lights. I'm more light skinned. So the relation, like the dynamic was different. Like that has no difference. Like of who you are as a person, like as a human, like, and so, um, I think just challenging people to go and realizing like face their biggest fear. And then like everything after that is like, cool. Like I can, I can approach having conversations who of people who are different than me, who at least from a, a physical standpoint, I think that would be a good exercise for people. And it might be, it might be scary, but I, I think overcoming that fear uh, is crucial. And that's what leads you to having meaningful conversations with people who are different. Yeah. And I, I think nine, I wouldn't say nine maybe, but majority of the time, you know, seven, six, seven of those out of 10, you know, will be positive and something that was like, Oh, I'm glad I did that. And maybe, you know, a few of those times you get met with like, yeah, okay. Like, nah, like I'm not talking to you or, you know, no, I'm not going to engage in this. Um, but that's usually not the majority. Most people are willing. It's just, yeah. Kind of getting over that initial fear of interaction, especially now we suck at talking to people. We really do. (laughs) It's too easy to social media like things and send text and even texting we're terrible at it so yeah for real (laughs) um i want to dig a little deeper into your experience um so for context for those listening don't know dj you are a uh, doctor of physical therapy um so you're a physical therapist um been practicing for a few years um i'm curious to see what and it doesn't have to be related to physical therapy, but um, I'm curious to see, like, outside of your childhood, uh, any experiences of racism that stand out to you um, that you experienced and kind of paint a picture of that for the people listening. Yeah. Um, so this is this is something that I've actually talked about multiple times recently, you know, since this has been a more prominent topic of conversation um, is actually in my adult life, there are no explicit, um, events of, you know, or instances of racism that I encountered. Um, and I wouldn't even, you know, fish for anything to say that it was. Um, but I mean, I've said this again before is that does not, you know, change the experience of other individuals. Um, so, you know, for one, I, and not to say that racism doesn't occur at, you know, diverse places of education or workplaces because it absolutely does. Um, but you know, I, I did not experience any of that at the university that I went to personally. Um, I haven't experienced it, um, in my workplace. Um, I think probably, um, one of the first things that actually comes to my mind is a experience that I had in South Carolina. So we were kind of up in the Northwest corner in South Carolina on a travel contract. And I had a patient who asked me where I was from and it was a, where are you from? Kind of thing of like, Hmm, 
I'm not going to satisfy your desire here. Right. And so I just said, I'm from America. Right. I'm from America. That's what I said. And she's like, no, no, no. Where are you from? I'm like, no, I'm from America. Like, I'm not going there. Right. I'm not even going to tell you like, no, my parents are from here or there. Nope. I'm not saying anything further. And when she finally realized I'm not saying anything else, she went, oh, and this is, she went, oh, thank goodness, because I was hoping you weren't Puerto Rican like the pool boy that comes to clean our pool. And it was the ultimate moment of like, wait, hold on. So there was discrimination against this man who was Puerto Rican, a Hispanic, who is American, right? And you were concerned that I may have been of Puerto Rican descent and that would have changed the way you were going to interact with me or maybe allow me to be your provider. You know, so it was a very um, interesting experience. So that wasn't directly against me. It was against another individual, essentially. Um, But I kind of got the back end of that experience of whatever, you know, her fear was or... You know, kind of what her fear was, I guess is the the main thing that comes to my mind there Um, in having a Puerto Rican provider in that moment, I guess. Um, But no, me personally, nothing that I can list. um, And I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that. And I I think if you've listened to previous episodes, you'll know that there's like like DJ's point of like, he does have it other people, like people who are very much like you in a lot of ways have, including profession have experienced like direct racist things in the profession. So it's just interesting to see like, yes, it does exist. Um, I think the example of the lady inquiring about whether you're Puerto Rican or not is interesting because it kind of goes down this it illustrates this um, like cascade of impact of like one person, like just because you've now had one experience, you're now projecting it onto like every single possible person that potentially looks Puerto Rican, whatever that means. And yes, there are like features that of people from certain countries that are distinguishable, but like just because they look like a thing, you're all like happen to look like a thing. You're going to seem all of a sudden be like, Oh, this person's probably not as talented or trained. Like what is like, that's so interesting. And so every time you're approaching an interaction with someone who looks like something, you're going to give them a negative treatment. Like I know it's e- like, obviously it's easy to do. Like that's an easy shortcut mentally, but like how silly, like you went through a lot of school and did a lot of hard work to be a really good physical therapist. And just because you, I don't know, had curlier hair or something like maybe you're not as good like it's interesting um kind of something that comes to my mind too is you know if she's sharing those those experiences with like family or friends you know or other people in you know her church circle or whatever the case may be you know and that person hasn't had a interaction or an experience with someone you know who is from that you know who is puerto rican or of another you know ethnic group or whatever the case may be, that person uh, almost automatically will accept that initial testimony as far as, you know, what to expect almost from 
that group of people. You know, it's, it's exactly how we, you know, somebody says, oh, hey, you want to go to um, Olive Garden, you know, and you've never had Olive Garden, but somebody had told you Olive Garden is trash and like not real Italian. You're like, I'm going to go there. Nah, like it's probably going to be a bad experience. Right. But you can still get some decent meals at Olive Garden and really enjoy yourself, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just interesting. You know, we, we kind of automatically accept those opinions, you know, especially when we haven't had a different experience with, you know, that group of people in this situation. Immediately where that takes my mind is that highlights the importance of, uh, creating the opposite experience, um, for your family members, especially as a, as you know, a white person or whatever is, and like, instead of highlighting the negative or hearing someone else highlight the negative and not speaking up or saying anything like the importance of sharing your positive experiences to those people yourself or, or speaking up when those negative experiences are being shared. Um, you know, the, the importance of that is crucial because it, it stops that kind of like the virus of coronavirus is spreading right now and communal spread, like the same thing um, applies. It's like all of a sudden once it gets a hold, you're within six six feet of another racist. This is not hmm. scientific evidence, <laughs> but you know, um, like unless, unless spoken otherwise and it's hard to, to, and if you haven't experienced it for yourself, you know, you, people latch on to that, to that narrative. Um, another reason I'm doing the show is because I, I'm, I feel like I've been fortunate to have a diverse network and, um, you know, the nature of minority just by, by math means that, you know, maybe not everyone has the opportunity to interact with a lot or any minorities. Um, and so providing a, a, a bridge to, um, get insight, I think is important. And, you know, whether it starts here or whether it starts by going out and watching, um, series on Netflix, um, like the 13th or there's a whole slew of minority focused, um, series on other things, but I think having informing yourself and then, and then sharing that experience, that positive experience with other people, I think is crucial to, um, advancing, uh, opinions and, and disassembling systemic racism. And to that point, um, I know I just shared my perspectives on kind of the concept of being an ally. I'm, I'm curious of what are your thoughts, um, of, of how people can become allies against racism you know, so I've been looping back kind of to this, uh, you know, this reference to like relationships, because like each relationship that we have with somebody of that minority group is going to ultimately change your experience with that group. And that's going to change um, how you step in and serve or defend or uplift or empower um, individuals from that community. Right. Um, you know, for instance, 
my mother, you know, for instance, who spent a majority of her adulthood in predominantly black communities um, as a white woman, you know, spent the majority of her life in predominantly black communities, has two black children. She is naturally going to be a little bit more of a ally, you know, or someone that is going to seek opportunities to serve, empower, uplift, you know, um, uplift the black community um, versus someone who has absolutely no incentive to because, well, I don't care about anybody from that community or I don't know anybody from that community, then you're not going to, you know, go out of your way to be an ally, you know, for that group of people um, or, you know, as a active enemy of racism, you know? And so it's, um, I really think it all comes back to those relationships. Um, if I had to give one specific, you know, specific thing that a person could do. Hmm. I think the best thing that anyone could do is really start to educate themselves, you know, and start by acknowledging their own bias. Even if you think you quote unquote got it or you get it or you understand it, just understand that you don't yet because each of us on the other side of the minority community are figuring these things out as well. You know, um, we're figuring out our feelings, our understandings, our relationships. Um, and so it's, it's a constant ongoing process of learning and educating oneself and building relationships that are of value and um, that matter, you know, with people from these communities that typically experience racism. Yeah, I really resonate with that point about educating yourself because, you know, even being someone who has a fairly good understanding and appreciation of minorities, I still, like, I have, I have not experienced racism directly so therefore there's still plenty to learn and just like with anything personal development um you know productivity whatever it is there's always like you're always on this journey to figuring out a little bit better and so like one of the things that not to toot my own horn on this but like one of the things that recently I was actually more to call myself out like, I was like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need to, you know, read any of these books that, you know, people are talking about, like White Fragility or some of these other things. But then I kind of got to the point, I'm like, hold up. Like, you have so much more to learn. Like, even if this book is not the perfect expression of understanding what's happening or how to think about it, it's at least one more perspective. And someone who took the time to write a 300-page book on this experience based on their understanding. So why would I not take that opportunity? And so I'm listening to the audiobook. I'm a third of the way through. I probably should listen to more of it now. But it's like, it's those things where it's this constant, okay, especially for this thing where it's hard, like, like you and I can relate to, you know, productivity and personal development a little bit more on an even playing field. But, like, not so much for me understanding, like, what it is to not be white or be a mixed, like, be a mixed kid. Like, I, I have never had that experience. I will never have that experience. And so I have more of a responsibility to educate myself the, because 
I can't experience it for myself. So I need to educate myself. And I don't think that it is the minority communities, the black communities responsibility to educate me on that. Sure. You know, it, it start like, it ha- like conversations will be there, but like, it's like putting, putting the burden back on the population that is already being uh, burdened by all these other things is kind of silly. And that's something that I've had to involve my thinking on. It's like, I was like, well, you know, maybe we'll just get out and ask more people, my more minorities to share their experience. And like, obviously that's a good part, but it's like, if the burden is there, change will never happen because it's, minority and so the voice will always be lower like it just not that that's a bad thing but it's like you need the volume and you in i don't know i think the country is like 70 ish percent white people in the u.s right now i don't know i'd have to don't don't quote me on that but it's a it's a big it's a big number um so there's a lot of people that like that's a lot of energy that will need to be taken to educate what is that? I'm gonna do the math here real quick. Let's do 70 times 300 million. That's 210 million Americans that need to be could benefit from the opportunity to educate themselves on racial issues. And like, there's that's a lot. That's a lot of work. And so putting that on the individual like me, who has blonde hair and blue eyes, literally like the epitome of of some hate groups and whatever hmm. which is kind of unfortunate like it's my responsibility <laughs> to take on that burden not not yours not other people that's i feel like i'm glorifying myself which i hate but like that's another reason i'm doing this podcast because it's like sure there could be other podcasts but they're about race but they're not like a a white person saying like these things are important here's a conversation about it you can do the same thing um yeah um, and I mean, as no, I mean, it's good. And this is, you know, as unfortunate as it is, you know, um, black authors, artists, um, producers and stuff have been putting out content regarding, you know, racism and educational pieces and whatnot that were there for everyone to consume. But the predominant community that was consuming consuming them was the community that was the subject of the production. Right. So it was like these black artists, producers, and writers were speaking to their own communities, essentially. Um, and I mean, it's unfortunate, but we're more likely to listen to something or accept something when it comes from someone that looks like us, you know, or sounds like us, or that we can kind of see a piece of ourselves in, you know, so, you know, it's good when, um, I mean, like I said, it's, it's sad, it's disappointing, it's unfortunate that it has to be that way, but, um, you know, it's, that's the important thing is that someone listening to this podcast is going to be more accepting of you as a white male saying, listen, I have things I need to work on. I have biases, you know, or prejudice that I need to acknowledge versus a black person saying, listen, you have issues that you need to address that you need to work on. You know, it's, it's just, it's normal. It's human. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad that this exists for you to, be able to provide that for, you know, this community. I think we've covered a lot already. Is there anything that I haven't asked or that's been on your mind that you wanted to share before we wrap things up? 
Um, no, I think I think the biggest thing is you know uh, now is the time. You know, these have been things that have been things that were off the table and no one wanted to talk about for a long time. Um, and I mean, I've, I've had conversations with people that I would have never imagined having this conversation with. Um, and I've seen, you know, information being put out or conversations being started on social media by people I would have never imagined to do so, um, basically. And, it's going to be uncomfortable, you know, and I think that people have to realize that growth is uncomfortable. So get comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, and um, I think that you'll see a lot of beautiful things in the world, in other people that maybe you didn't before and um, a more beautiful side of yourself that eventually you'll look back on and go, dang, I really used to think like that. You know, and I'm kind of I've kind of been going through that a lot recently as I um, have been diving more into, you know, books on productivity mindset, you know, and business development and whatnot. And it's been like, whoa, I really used to think like that. And that was only like four years ago. Like, whoa, you know, or I made that decision three years ago. I would never do that now, you know. And so it's just to realize that. As much as we think we know right now, there is a whole world of knowledge. And people say this all the time. We're like, yeah, whatever, you know, but it's like there's a whole world of knowledge and experiences out there that we have yet to gain that I think um, once we have them will be very um, eye opening and um, just really make us realize how beautiful the world is, how beautiful each and every person is and, um, you know, how there's always room to be a better version of ourselves. 